Hey, Ricky, just finished watching Casper. Really made me think about my life. You know you become a ghost if you have unfinished business? Oh, no, I forgot to feed my Tamagotchi. I never finished the Casper podcast. No! We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to be reviewing the 1995 live action adaptation of Casper. The friendly ghost. The friendliest ghost you know. Yeah, so um, we are reviewing Casper. It's the month of October. Um, and it's it, we felt it was a timely time to, uh, to review Casper. And I will also just find any excuse to review a movie with Bill Pullman in it, so... Two birds, one stone. Everybody wins. So, firstly, I want to thank you guys for following us on Twitter, interacting with us um, on all the social media, and leaving awesome reviews. I want to encourage you guys to do that, and just thank you guys. Uh, we've actually been getting a couple of requests for movies to review, so we would love for you to share the movies that you would either like to hear or the ones that you have heard, So, because we, we've been getting a lot of great feedback. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for the kind words, and thanks for sharing your ear space with us. Oh, that last one. Mm. I, so I, I was I yeah, was trying. Let's just workshop that. <laughs> okay, let's get into uh, the review history. So, uh, this movie, so many things I didn't realize about this movie. Uh, I just finished watching it right before um, we were recording it, and... The uh, so many things I didn't realize about the movie. Main thing before you get into the history, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett as Fatso. I didn't realize that. Like I saw the name, I'm like, oh, who is that? And then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, you're telling me that Ray Romano's brother was Fatso. That's amazing. Everybody loves Stinky. Casper, you're so friendly. Everyone loves that's a horrible Brad Garrett. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, so this movie um, was a live action adaptation of Casper the Friendly Ghost from the cartoons and comics of the same name. Uh, it was directed by Brad Silberling, um, who also went on to do the A Series of Unfortunate Events films. He certainly has a type and was produced by Steven Spielberg. And I didn't, I didn't realize this one. Fun fact for you guys: this is the first feature film ever to have a CGI character in the lead role. It beat out Toy Story by six months. Whoa! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit was all two D animation, so that's amazing. So this is like a a pivotal film. It's like a landmark film for like CGI. And is that like you think of uh, Stuart Little? That was 1999. Flubber yeah. was 97. Mm-hmm. But this paved the way. Paved the way. Paved the way. But yeah, so this movie uh, came out in 1995. Um, critics didn't care for it much, but the box office loved it. Uh, it opened Memorial Day weekend with $16 million and did a gross domestic sale of $100 million with an additional $187 million internationally. So doing movie math, over $200 million for this movie. Not too bad. Yeah. That is the buried treasure. <laughs> that is. That's the buried treasure. <laughs> and then he just dug it up in a old Hollywood studio lot and uh, left a message on the deed. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the movie, I remember, did you watch this movie growing up? Uh, constantly. Right? Okay, so this is another one of those movies that was always on for me. Uh, I remember, this is one of those movies that I watched at my daycare uh, I, I feel like I mentioned a lot. Uh, but it played the movie a ton of times, and I distinctly remember the marketing. There was like a Got Milk commercial that played before the VHS because Casper was like in the it was like from Casper's POV and he wanted to get the milk from the fridge but he couldn't get the milk from the fridge because he can't like pull milk from the the fridge cuz he's a ghost. Oh, and, ghost and, problems. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag #ghost problems. 
Uh, and uh, I also remember, what was the other thing? Okay, in the trailer for the VHS, if you go online and look up the Casper uh, trailer, I want to say it's one of the first two that pops up. They want you to think that this movie is a kid-friendly version of Beetlejuice. <laughs> Play the Beetlejuice soundtrack really? for like half for like half the commercial. Like the actual Beetlejuice theme. Dun, 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 dun. Daylight come and me want to go home. But yeah, it was it was a movie that I watched a lot. The moment that scared me always was because I was terrified of the Crypt Keeper growing up. Like, my parents, <laughs> like, yeah. like, my family, we would watch, um, as a family, th- like, this is my parents. Uh, we watched <laughs> uh, America's Most Wanted and Cops on Saturday night, and then Tales from the Crypt would come on, and I would just hear that theme music. I'd be like, ah, I'm, I think I'm tuckered out, and just, like, run to my oh, room. Wow, that's quite a night of viewing. You had to grow up fast. <laughs> Yeah, I was never afraid of the Crypt Keeper uh, because I thought his hair looked stupid. <laughs> it's like some you got a thing here, uh-huh. just a little. You know what? Forget it. You're fine. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Uh, that so that every time that moment happened, I was just like, I want to get these. Re-. Like I'm pretty sure, like I just closed my eyes throughout it. So I'm. I feel like this is the first time in a very long time where I actually saw all the people who. Uh, they turned into so i don't think i ever saw um mel gibson uh mm. but I, I think i saw up to roger dangerfield before i'm like okay it's time to shut this down or rodney dangerfield who he's a uh, roger dangerfield's brother oh did he work at dog <laughs> i think he did <laughs> yeah he's the general manager that's right <laughs> Roger you said it not me Oh, <laughs> goodness. I was going to play the Don Quijitos card, but I refrained. <laughs> Just like the beans at Don Quijitos. <laughs> Try our new refrained beans over here. <laughs> uh, we are diverting a lot. Um, but yeah, with the movie's um, success, it did successful enough to do well at the box office. Not enough for Universal Studios' uh, roller coaster budget. Uh, even though they literally built a roller coaster inside the movie, uh, there was going to be a Casper ride, but because uh, it didn't do as well as they were expecting, I guess domestically they didn't move forward with it because I guess a hundred million was just too little for their liking. Was it going to be the Up and Atom machine that you just ride through? Yeah, I would assume it would be the Up and Atom machine because it it just has the most appeal, and I feel like it would be super fun to like ride through that especially if you get like like it's like one of those interactive rides where you get like splashed with water or like spray you with crazy string or you swallow yeah. toothpaste <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get the whole experience then the, the blades <laughs> so um but it didn't get a ride but it did get several straight to dvd or d to tv direct to tv sequels <laughs> so there was going to be an official like ambling productions sequel to the film um but basically bill pullman and christina ricci weren't available for that time so they actually opted in to do an animated series so there's a short-lived anime series on fox called the spooktacular new adventures of casper and it basically was a like most of the things in the 90s like the mask how the mask had an animated series this was the casper animated series that was very much attached to the film so it was Mm -hmm. basically like a serialized show um and the voice actor for casper in the movie reprised his voice as casper in the tv series oh yeah because he was introduced in this movie yep he really was yeah just like cameron diaz was introduced in the mask look at that similarities um just because there weren't official sequels doesn't mean that there weren't a ton of sequels so this is one of the first times grayson that i feel like i've ever seen something that just doesn't hold up so horribly bad um what i'm talking about the casper colon a spirited beginning the 1997 
sequel to, or it was a prequel. So there is Casper Spirited at the Beginning. There is Casper Meets Wendy starring Hilary Duff as Wendy the Witch. That's fine. I was wondering about Wendy because Wendy is huge in the comics. And that's yeah. what I grew up watching was the cartoons. And so I was like, where's Wendy? Mm-hmm. Who's Cat? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, didn't know so, Hillary Duff played Wendy, though. Yeah, Hillary Duff played baby Wendy, or like, not baby Wendy, baby face Hillary Duff played Wendy. And recently on Snapchat, there is a Snapchat filter where Hillary Duff took a picture of it, and it's like a little red riding hood, but she looks like Wendy wearing her big, like, little cloak. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't believe this was like almost 20 years ago because it happened in 1998. Yes. So, yeah. So so that happened. Then there was Casper's Haunted Christmas because, you know, Christmas Carol, Casper, why not? Um, and then in 2006, Casper's Scare School. Is he a teacher or a student? Student. Oh, who's the yeah. teacher? Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw that curveball at you. No, that so was, the, that no, was unfair. You, you lobbed... A melon. I should have hit it. I, 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 all right. Uh, ben Kingsley. He's still alive. Oh, not like. Oh no. The vo- <laughs> <laughs> you mean I, he would play the? He would play the, the voice. Yeah. Yes, he would be great for that. Uh, I think Roger Dangerfield. I think he's a. <laughs> he would be a great teacher. He's uh, doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah and so then um casper scare school uh, that came out in 2006 and then it got spun off into its own tv show which basically continues where the movie left off which is like oh man i guess i better learn how to be a ghost and the premise of the show is like casper meets a whole bunch of other friendly public domain fictional characters like the kids of Dracula or Frankenstein or that sort of thing. And they have to learn how to be scary, a la Monsters, Inc., um, except with ghosts and not monsters. Oh, so it's like Hotel Transylvania with a curriculum. Yo, oh, yeah, that's exactly what that is. Um, so another, so I have a couple more facts for you guys. Um, Russell Harvey, the heir to Harvey Comics, fun fact, uh, the last name of Cat and... Um, Bill Pullman's uh, character is Harvey because Harvey Comics was the publisher of Casper and Wendy. Oh, and that terrible little girl goes, Harvey. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Russell Harvey hated this film uh, for a lot of reasons. So if you didn't grow up watching the old cartoons of Casper or the comics, Casper was like maybe eight at the oldest. Um, and because he was like a kid, um, he didn't really deal with a lot of the things that most teenagers typically go through, like angst and public ridicule, uh, that sort of thing. He hated how it forced child unfriendly humor and had an overly dark and completely pointless backstory into something that he had so beloved, um, for its innocence because Casper was just like a nice ghost. He was just a nice ghost. And so he just really, really hated it. And he was really hoping that Steven Spielberg would make just a more legitimate, in his words, uh, adaptation. So what were the the subplots that he had issues with? Was it like the party? Was it Kerrigan? Was it the love interest thing happening between Casper and Kat? Yeah. I All think, of it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, the, I think it's a lot of the... Um, really because it was dark like it was darker than what i remember because i remember oh, yeah. like as a kid just thinking like oh man i'm glad that bill pullman came back to life as a adult i'm like they they just there were there are a lot of deaths that just happened that they were just glossing over in the last 10 minutes like this is awful this is like really dark but like as a kid i i'm not seeing it i'm seeing it like oh this is cartoon stuff like oh cool um but also just like how just awful <laughs> that so sticky and stretch are <laughs> like they are just kind of the worst um also fun fact that those names were actually changed in the older comics the fat so stinky and stretch aren't his uncles but uh they're just 
kind of chaperones. Um, but Fatso, his name is Fatso in the comics. But Lazo was Stretch, and Fusso, who was the average one in the comics, you know, your typical trio, you got Fatso, and you got Lazo, the tallest, and you have Fusso, the average one. Uh, <laughs> He's balanced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, fun fact, you can play that at uh, your Casper trivia night that their original names were not uh, Stinky and Stretch, except for Fatso. Uh, that's probably not going to be how the question will be worded at trivia night because they will say words better. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the facts for you guys about this movie. Is there anything you want to share? Well, that would mean that I did research before <laughs> this happened, Ricky. I can share some like personal feelings oh. about it. Oh, yeah. 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 I did grow up uh, watching this movie, and I also grew up watching The Addams Family, um, and got, which means as a kid, I was a big Christina Ricci fan. Yeah. And uh, I was like, hey, two movies where Christina Ricci is in a scary house. <laughs> I like it, and I think that really uh, formed a lot of who I am today. Uh, I also really like Bill Pullman. I think it took me a long time as a kid before I realized that wasn't Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it is a fun mental game to play of just swap Bill Pullman and Robin Williams in and out of the roles that each of them have held, respectively. Oh, yes. I love that game. Yeah. Just think about how it would change the story. How would that sword fight have been different if it had been Robin Williams with the plunger? Yeah, just just intercut scenes from Hook and put it in to Casper, and that's what it would the, look like. The music was a lot like the Hook music during that part, too. Right? Um, but yeah, and I was shocked at uh, the accidental third time that Ben Stein has popped up on the podcast. Right? Some in Ferris Bueller, uh-huh. some last week in The Mask. Yep. And then he shows up again at the beginning. He's the first adult you see on screen. It was the two kids break into the house, and then you got the guy who you're never going to see again. Just one and done. Uh, great oh, way to do movies. And wasn't he also in a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Oh, you know what? He may have been. No, because he was like the announcer, right? The announcer. Checking, verifying, calculating. I'm pretty sure he is. Because I remember us talking about how he's like, hey, um, is Ben Stein here? He's like, yeah. He was just like at a layover on the airport. Like, hey, come to a scene. Sure, why not? <laughs> he actually did show up also in the um, Casper uh, colon, A Spirited Beginning. Uh, along with uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, his brother. Uh, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right uh, about Planes, Strange, and Automobiles. He played the Wichita Airport representative. So, yes. four movies so far. All right. If you're playing Flashback Flicks Bingo, you can cover your Ben Stein space. What a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but we are now, we're now officially going to be on Ben Stein watch yep. for any other movies. We will not seek them out, but we will point it out when he appears. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this movie, because I, I watched it a lot as a kid, and I remember the thing that it solidified for me was just, like, how um, ghosts worked in, like, bodies of work. Because I feel like the concept that ghosts have unfinished business, like, that's why they haunt places, has shown up in pretty much every other, like, paranormal-like um product that i've or a movie that i've seen not product yeah. like ecto cooler or anything like that but like in uh most pop culture speaking of ecto cooler how about that ghostbusters reference oh yeah who you gonna call someone else and he runs out ah love that and the reverend was an snl character no way that's reverend guido sarducci Played by Don Novello, and he was a weekend update character. Uh, it'd be like if Stefan had been in the movie. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
man, speaking of just all those references, here's something that I was caught by surprise. I wasn't expecting this movie to be as targeted to adults. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember it being as targeted to adults. Yeah, because the movie's PG-13, not 13, it's just PG. The movie's PG, and there are there are a ton of references. Like, to the, this was the first time that I got that that character was from SNL. Hmm. Like, the first time ever. Also, uh, back-to-back flashback flicks episodes of somebody doing impressions of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, man, he was just at the height in the 90s for being referred to to be clint (laughs) all right so for this scene um hear me out clint eastwood (laughs) oh mr estwood yeah yeah but yeah i just i just there are a lot of just themes i picked up as an adult that i didn't notice as a kid like all of the references um to or i guess the insults that uh fat so stinky and stretch were saying like i i got Pretty much all of those references, including the one that was in pretty much every trailer that I saw, which was like it it didn't resonate as a kid. But like when I watched all the trailers, they kept on bringing up this reference. And he said when he was just eating a bunch of food, he said, I feel like Oprah during hiatus. Hiatus. Yeah. And I was like, that wasn't for me. That was an Oprah reference. How am I going to get any of this? Like... Yeah. Well, and then they follow up by saying, "You look like her too." And can you imagine being Oprah going to see this movie in theaters? Yeah. And like, it's like, oh man, I'm gonna bring my kids to this uh, box office hit. Oh man, it's gonna be just bringing the family. It's gonna be great. What? And she doesn't have kids, but still, you know, as a person, she has feelings. And just get up and go like, "Well, I will let myself out." But yeah. then her unfinished business would be never seeing all of Casper. <laughs> It's like, oh, I just have to watch like the last 47 minutes of Casper yep. and then I can move on. Yep. <laughs> but you're right. There are some really uh, like pop culture savvy references that you have to know. I also was watching it through the lens of someone who understands like how the world works now. Mm-hmm. And the hard copy interviewer was way out of line <laughs> when he's like, can't you talk to us? Say something. How do you feel about moving? Does your father hurt you? Whoa. Um, first off, I don't think you got a release agreement for me, so I'm suing. Secondly, yeah. who told you I was at this school? Yeah, take about 50 steps back, Nightcrawler, and just, <laughs> like, chill out. Yeah. Oh, man. And here's the other thing. Uh, I get that Casper is supposed to be cute and sweet. Be that as it may, dude was a creeper. Like, go on. Seriously, like if you, so, I think he has game. So we'll take, <laughs> we'll take opposing views on this. Well, here's the thing. So first off, he sees her, and then he follows her to school. Um, and then when she says, "Hey, I'm gonna go out with someone for a date or for a dance that I'm having at my." home he says all right all right but can he do this and then he like turned into a superman copyright infringement and took her against her will out flying and she's like casper no casper no please casper this is too i'm scared no and then it cuts to wow this is beautiful (laughs) my wife just turns over to me she's like that Stockholm syndrome, she needs to call a trusted friend because that is not okay. You see, <laughs> I think he's just very excited to have a friend. He's been dead since the 20s or whatever. Yep. He's been dead since steampunk times. Mm-hmm. And I think he just wants to be around his friend. Now, that's how I saw it as a child. But I've been ruined by the world. And... It was just, I'm just like, I don't see this as adorable. But that's the other thing is that they aged Casper up. Because Casper, um, I don't think they like have like an age for him. Because I don't think the Casper comics um, put that much uh, backstory into like 
Casper, like, oh, yeah, Casper. He, oh, that was the other thing. Oh, man, his horribly sad backstory of, like, oh, I remember playing on my sled and it being cold and me getting sick and my dad was sad. And that was it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, movie. And then she's like, what's it like to die? I'm like, whoa, my movie, no. So sad and really dark, but, like, and also a little bit, you know, encroaching on Orson Welles's territory. You know, like, tell me about your life and death and a sled. <laughs> I always wanted this sled. Rosebud. Citizen Casper. <laughs> then he breaks the vial. That was the last one! <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I think it's it's more of an innocent... Uh, take on Casper because if you think about um, what would be popular when he was a kid I think the the Peter Pan books would have been too so when he when he kisses her on the cheek and says can I keep you that's a line from Peter Pan oh see I just need to know these references because I I was also creeped out by that (laughs) yeah I, I think that's what it what it is and that he like it's he's actually making references to what was like his view of romance in his time? Not even romance, but just like courtship. Right. That actually makes a ton more sense. Maybe I should just look up all the references that uh, Casper made and see: is it a reference or is this creepy? <laughs> it's a fun game to play. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, the movie. I was so impressed with the uh, the effects that they did because they again. Yeah. We geek out about this on the podcast all the time, but like the integration of practical effects and uh, computer generated images is just really impressive. So I remember the scene I remember the most distinctly is that kitchen scene where Casper's making breakfast. I remember the whole time I'm watching, like, he's really making breakfast. Like, he just dropped like a, a short stack of pancakes on her plate at the table and she interacted with it and he poured that juice that filter thing i always want i'm like i wish you could do that because i hate orange juice pulp like i just hate it i'm just like why can't that oh man it should be that simple uh because like all those effects are so so impressive this was the first time that i actually understood that he threw pulp on the wall um i thought they were leftover eggs on his hand (laughs) oh i I was like that's disgusting uh yeah no, i mean i can see how you got there oh uh, yeah. but yeah just that whole scene that whole scene is just such a treat to just see operate um because he i mean he scrambles it he's like oh over um staying side up kind of makes me want to barf don't worry and he scrambles it pours the juice throws the pulp on the wall it sticks it's like actually there i think the only cg thing in that scene is are the plates for um fatso stinky and stretch mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's like cgi i mean that in the ghost um <laughs> you know casper is just a really great method actor you know he just really went in and committed to his role as an actual ghost um but yeah i, I was just really impressed with um, all those effects because what they another fun fact that they did is that they used fishing wire uh, with uh, Christina Ricci and they would just like pull her or like have her like be yanked in certain directions just like give off the real authentic effect and I just love that hmm. I think the only effect because I watched it in HD again uh, I think the only... <laughs> well it makes a difference I watched it on a Viewmaster. <laughs> The guy told me the lines in my ear. Um, no, I think the only effect that didn't really hold up was the Father Sarducci effect when he's walking out. Um, they green screen his head on backwards. That was the only one where I was like, this this feels dated. But the other stuff, like Casper in all of the the way that the light bounces off them and reflects out of the, uh, the, the eyes and uh, just the textures with oh, each yeah. of the items passing through them is incredible. Absolutely. It's, it's still amazing. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the biggest difference between this movie and the spinoff sequels is because they didn't have as big of a budget mm-hmm. and like some of the lip syncing is off and it's, it's early two thousands and even early nineties 
CGI and it's just not that strong. But, you know, with that budget that they had back then, now they would be able to pull off like the feature film effect, like Mm -hmm. with ease. But it's, um, it's, it's impressive. And it's so cool to see like how well feature, like special features like that hold up to today. Because an interesting thing that I, notice about this movie is that a lot of um modern day adaptations of old properties will do this thing where it's just like all right this is like the 90s version um and they just like bring a lot of attention to it um i mean granted they did with a whole bunch of like references like talking about oprah um but i think just stylistically um with the human actors i (laughs) which is a weird thing to specify uh the human <laughs> actors uh were i felt like it could, it was a little timeless um like it could with the exception of bill pullman's like giant cell phone with the with the exception of that it could kind of take place in any time like it could be like an 80s film because they dealt with like 80s ish technology um mm-hmm. pretty much anything after ghostbusters it could be <laughs> it could take place then yeah, that's true. All right, Grayson, uh, I have some unfinished business. Oh, Ricky, you better take care of that. I will. It starts with this head cannon. Oh, my head. <laughs> head cannon is the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. My biggest head cannon yet to date is happening right here, Grayson. You are witness to it. You I'm so glad. Podians are witness to that as well. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm borrowing that from Tim Schmoyer. Um, here's the thing, guys. Where's the la- like? So you open up the house of the place in which they live. I know it has a name, but I forgot it. Um, what's the prominent feature in the middle of that room? It's the big thing in the middle. Yeah. Oh, it's the it's the swirls. It's the giant swirl with with yellow and red. Man, when's the last time we saw a yellow and red swirl? Oh, wizard! You're taking us all the way to Oz. Wow, nailed it. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't think that this house is just. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that this house is especially attracted to paranormal activity i think it's because it's tied to another dimension entirely because that so this is the portal to oz i think it's a portal to oz i think that this is one of the houses or i feel like this is a oz landmark that was kind of like put on the edge of this like land really um and the different inhabitants had different effects from it because i think that because the house is from the magical land of oz it has different properties that operate differently in our world so ghosts are more attracted to the place kind of because it's like a hub or a crossing point in between um not only universes but uh planes of existence so i think it is an oz house boom that's really nice in addition to that, with um, Dan Aykroyd being in the movie, it does support a headcanon that after Ghostbusters 2, the Ghostbusters disbanded. And because he went by himself, why wouldn't he bring the whole team with him? Because they're trying mm-hmm. to do solo missions up until they officially break up as a group, which would fit into the headcanon that the Ghostbusters sequel would have picked up on so this is also the world in which the ghostbusters 2016 reboot it's it's more of a continuation more of like a ghostbusters episode four or three uh like like the star wars episode seven but with ghostbusters i see so it's like a continue it's another story that happens in the same universe while still acknowledging all the things that have happened before it there's that is also because i had a ton of headcanon for this yeah hear me out genie from aladdin is mm-hmm. actually a ghost he does make the same kind of pop culture references he makes the same kind of pop culture references he has the same kind of wisp um tail type thing and the shape-shifting ability shape-shifting all these other things and 
I think that genies, going back into the whole mythos of genies, is that genies aren't just people who are able to grant wishes. I think wish the wish thing is more of a uh, a, a kind of contract that is kind of made for genies. But I think genies are trapped ghosts, kind of forced into uh, indentured servitude. So because they have access to like this other plane of existence and they can do all these different things, they kind of make them do their bidding. And the wish fulfillment thing was something to allow, um, to basically take respect for the GDs as respect as you can in that regard, uh, but to like limit their abilities to be like, you can only give three wishes to them and then you're done so that everyone kind of gets their turn with the genie um, and having like that kind of access to those abilities. That is the most in-depth that headcanon might have mm-hmm. had so far. Maybe even the darkest. Who knows? But that makes it. sense though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really struggled with headcanon on this one because I think they explain a lot. Right. And just, just when you think that you're going to get an angle on one thing, they kind of set, set something up that will discredit it. The old midi-chlorian conundrum. <laughs> but, What's that? Um, you don't know what midi-chlorians are. Let me stop the movie and explain it to you. Uh, but I think one interesting way to watch it, and um, you, you can go back and watch it with this lens on, is that the roles are actually somewhat reversed. Um, this is going to be a spoiler for the Nicole Kidman movie The Others, if anyone uh, is not wanting that to be spoiled. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> but in The Others, have you seen that, Ricky? Um, the Others. Are, are you talking about that season of Lost? Like season two of Lost? Oh, no. No, no, not that. Uh, not that. Nicole Kidman was on the island? She was. She's the smoke monster. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I have not yeah. seen The Others, but I, I, I've had it spoiled for me. So go ahead. Oh, well, okay. Um, <laughs> just in the others, the idea is that they think that they're the he- that they're humans the whole time, searching for ghosts. But it ends up being that they're actually the ghosts living in somebody else's house who is human. That's what I remember of it. So they're actually accidentally haunting this other family. So the idea is that Amelia is actually still alive, and she is the one living in Whipstaff Manor. So. Um, it's her house, but everybody else who comes there is a ghost, whether they know it or not. Hmm. So that would mean Cat and Bill Pullman. Um, <laughs> why do we keep saying Cat when it's Christina Ricci, but then Bill Pullman without saying Because Dr. Bill Harvey. Pullman is Bill Pullman, no matter what <laughs> uh, his role. So when they get to the house, that they're, they're actually there to enter the afterlife, similar to a, like a Beetlejuice situation. And the reason they can't find her is because she's actually on a different plane than them, but she's she's still living, because um, she she says like I'll I'll wait till we can be together again, which could mean you know go either way, mm-hmm. and then also explains why uh, like Fatso and Stretch and Stinky know where she is is because she's actually been living in the house. It's a huge house. We only see like fifteen percent of that house. Yeah. And, like, she's actually been there, and, um, like, they're very aware of her presence. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense with, like, the condemning, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all of the actual stuff that happens with Ben Stein and, right. and Kerrigan and, and Eric Idle and things like that. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's something that I tried toying with. Mm-hmm. It has a ton of holes in it, but I always think it's interesting to just, like, flip that and see, well, let's let's do an other's version of it yeah. and see... If it could be reversed, that's really it doesn't cool. make a whole lot of sense with the cartoon animation, though. But no, that's really cool. The uh, you actually reminded me of another headcanon that I saw um, that a lot of people have been talking about uh, over this past year. Um, there is this uh, post. Uh, this originated from an episode of The Simpsons, um, and this is the idea. This is the headcanon. Bart says, "Well, you know what I think? I think Casper is the ghost of Richie Rich." They're like, hey, they do look alike because they're holding up like two side by side pictures. And then Bart says, I wonder how Richie died. And Lisa said, perhaps he realizes how hollow the pursuit of money is and took his own life. And then Marge says, hey, kids, could you lighten up a little? 
it's it's a great uh, moment in scene, but so many people have been like, wait a second, that actually holds up. And this movie really solidified that for me. Here's how. Have you seen the live action Richie Rich movie? I have with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Do you remember like the big reveal at the end? That they live by Mount Rushmore or something. They like live that. by Ra- Mount Rushmore and the treasure Wait. that they were seeking. Because they had this big, someone was trying to rob them, basically. Yeah. And the treasure that they were seeking was in this big vault and it was just cherished family memories. Right. It was the same kind of it deal. It was the same kind of kind deal. Of deal. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we didn't match up. And we won't match up in the edit. You can make it match up. Mentally imagine that that matched up. Um, but yeah, I think that there is some truth to that. Um, especially with the evidence that... Because like, like he said, oh yeah, my treasure in the vault. It's like, oh, it's my fan, it's my baseball bit in the baseball. Be- because I already have one of those in my room and I wanted to lock one away. <laughs> well, because it was signed. It was the signed baseball. Oh, that's right. It was a signed baseball. Um which ties us to Angels in the Outfield. Straight to the top. Straight to the top. Amelia plays for the Brooklyn Dodgers. (laughs) She's one of us now. She throws a bean curveball. We're going to be calling Dr. Harvey up to the big leagues. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, okay, so now we are going to um, go into recast and remake. Um, if this movie were to be made today, who would we cast, and what would the storyline be? I think we all know who we would cast. Oh God, please, do we even need? We can skip over this. No, segment, we can. No, we need to say I mean, it. All right, on the count of three, but because we're in two completely yep. different cities, it's not going to be said at the same time. One, two, three. Jonathan Taylor from Modern Family. That too. <laughs> uh, yes, season one Luke from Modern Family. He's perfect. I would want him to be because I I would want him to be both the voice and the Devin Sawa. By the way, Devin Sawa. Um, who played the IRL version of Casper is also <laughs> in um, Final Destination. Yep. Which origin story? Is... <laughs> I think that's. I think that's actually the sequel. Like, actually, he yeah. found out how to become real again, and then death started chasing after him. It whole head cannon oh, recast and remake. I'm all over the place. I'm everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> Devin Sawa. Oh, Devin Sawa. <laughs> I remember. So, um, Melissa Villasenor, who is on Saturday Night Live now. Congratulations, Melissa. I know you're a listener. Um, but she talks about, in a lot of her comedy acts, about how uh, Devin Sawa from Casper was just, like, her biggest crush growing up. And um, I just, I, every time I watch Casper, I think of her saying, oh, yeah. Devin Sawa stepped into the room. <laughs> like anytime it's Halloween, <laughs> she like th- that scene comes on that and she like knows that song when he shows up. She's like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, ladies, it's time to get this party really started. <laughs> Devin Sawa stepped into the room. <laughs> uh, Although I, I think it would have been interesting if real life Casper was completely bald as well. <laughs> yeah. Just a little Charlie Brown kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. You're a dead man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> there it goes. I want to see that crossover. <laughs> You're a dead man, Charlie Brown. Uh, <laughs> Your problem is that you have no spine. <laughs> I don't have any skin either. That's your problem. I pay, I pay 25 cents for this. <laughs> Good grief. Good, great. <laughs> there it is. That's the joke. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a thing I said. <laughs> uh, yeah, if they were to remake the movie, I feel like they would either go in a more comedic direction in the vein of like a Transylvania or Hotel Transylvania. Um, oh yeah. But I or in a way darker, 
like Tim Burton doing anything kind of version. Yeah, or even darker, like a Tarantino doing anything. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be amazing. It's just Casper getting his revenge. I've got unfinished business. <laughs> Casper, unfriendly. <laughs> Volume one. It's time to finish my business. <laughs> Starring Brian Cranston as Casper. <laughs> Hey, you know he's got the skull shape for it. Oh, yeah. Get out of my house. (laughs) I'm the one who haunts. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Good night, everybody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, and if they were to basically do the same movie but just modernize it, um, I would love for the dad to be... uh, I can't remember his name, who plays Phil Dumphy from Modern Family. Oh, Ty, Ty, Ty Burrell. And also season one, Ty Burrell. Season one, Ty Burrell. Um, and who plays his wife? Julie Bowen. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I would have, it's just Julie Bowen is uh, from Modern Family. Yeah, it's Claire. Yeah. I would have her play opposite Ty Burrell. She'd be Kerrigan? Yeah, she'd be Kerrigan. Because oh. they looked so much alike, to me at least. Um, and then um, I would just get, like, a bunch of SNL alum. Like, I would have Bill Hader be, like, stinky and maybe all of them. <laughs> and John Ralph. No, I get John Ralph. You know. <laughs> I would just have them be completely different. I would have them take on different personalities. Yeah, I think you could do that. I think you could have, like, a, um, a Tom from Parks and Rec type thing. Like, having Season Sorry be one of the ghosts. Yes. And he's, like, very fashion-forward uh like plugged in kind mm-hmm. of deal and then you have the standoffish one right i'm basically describing parks and rec uh, <laughs> go on i'm get, interested like nick offerman like i think it'd be fun to have a uh, a ghost that's always texting right basically it's like who who are you talking to like i know people i'm dead not disconnected <laughs> or whatever like oh that. that's good that would be in there they'd have some sassy line yeah. <laughs> or like but like, just because I'm dead doesn't mean my social life has to be. Oh, there it is. Oh. All right, now we're going to wrap up our review with our reasons to recommend. Grayson, why would you recommend the 1995 Casper as opposed to the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> All the Casper spinoffs. Um, I would recommend this because it does swing back and forth between comedic moments and some really heartfelt, depressing moments. And... Uh, like when Bill Pullman shows back up as the ghost, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things. Um, Cause it is the, the Sophie's choice of it being like, well, does Casper get it or does you know, Bill Pullman get it? And Who's Sophie. It's a different Was movie. she in the movie? Is she an actor? I don't know. Of? She, she's Casper's sister. Uh. <laughs> yeah. She's the one who actually locked Casper outside. <laughs> so he, he couldn't come back in. Um, sorry yeah but Casper doesn't even like bat an eye and he just like this is the right thing to do so um, some really heartfelt moments and like you said I think it still holds up as far as maybe not references and that's gonna slip away year after year but just in storytelling it's still relatable and the special effects for now hold up as well and we already went into like the light refraction off of The, off the ghosts even when they're invisible it's amazing so um and i think part of that is because they made them intentionally cartoony mm-hmm. so you get a lot more leeway there if they had tried to make a, a ghost that looked like a human you'd be like ah oh, nah, it doesn't look anything like a human but uh they just made some good choices i think and uh, it's worth checking out yeah you, you hear that michael bay when you go to human it's unsettling <laughs> turtles have noses right no i mean yes but just make him look like the comics. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I would recommend this movie, um, especially if you haven't seen it since you were a kid. I mean, this movie, th- there's a lot of references for adult you. <laughs> and um, yeah. and there are there's a lot of fun in just seeing how much fun um, they're having with the material. And it's, it's also one of those 
pre-DreamWorks movies that were super DreamWorks-y, if that makes sense. Like, if you take yeah. Shrek, for example. Shrek was a movie that took the fairy tale concept and kind of turned it on its head. And uh, this movie did that with Casper, not only with um, Casper's original material, but also with just, like, the ghost concept. Like, they took the concept of ghosts and had fun with it. Like, why would ghosts haunting things instead of it just being a scary thing? Just because, like, three pranksters just got together and just love scaring people. Like, it's a thing that's fun for them. And so when you put that kind of personality to something that everyone kind of already understands, um, it kind of brings new light to it. And I think that this script um, is it was an original concept. Uh it's not just my opinion, but it actually was. Um, and it was original concept, and they just took the source material and ran with it. And it's it's great to see how um, you can come up with a completely new idea with some already established material. Like Casper as a friendly ghost, like I feel like they took his motivation and his story in the direction that would make the most sense. Like uh, <laughs> the opening scene, I guess this is something that kind of does uh, make it a little... Uh, dated but the whole thing is like hey take a picture no i need to be in the picture too you take the picture i'm like oh if they only had a selfie stick that there is no word for selfies (laughs) there is no word for selfie um but yeah even when casper just like took the picture for them i thought that was such a sweet moment i'm like oh casper he was just trying to be nice like i i yeah i i just loved it it's fun to see um with grown-up eyes and um it's a fun Halloween movie, so I think you'll definitely enjoy it. I also think we would be remiss if we did not point out that one of those kids at the beginning who didn't know the word for selfie, <laughs> we have seen before in the Sandlot. That was Chauncey Leopardi, better known as Squints Paladora. You're kidding me. That was Squints? That was Squints. Yeah, the one on the left. No way. Yeah. That was Squints. I can't believe it. Wow. Man. Headcanon, that Squince's son? Squince's son. Yeah, it'd have to be because uh, Sandlot is a flashback movie. Yeah, flashback movie to the 70s from the 90s. Squince's son. It's in there. But yeah, that's why I recommend the movie. It's a good one. And that is our review of Casper Implied the Friendly Ghost. It's not actually titled Casper, but I... I want to say it every single time. Um, let us know what you remember from Casper from the 90s on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this review on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review telling us uh, on a scale of stinky to Casper. How what, what you thought of what you thought of the review. Or on a on a scale of one to five screams, I would say. How about that? That makes more sense. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And if you're feeling really just vulnerable, go ahead and share, um, you know, what's your unfinished business? <laughs> if you if you were to pass away, heaven forbid, what would keep you here as a ghost? Please don't put that down. Please don't write what it is. I don't think we could handle that. We're not licensed in any way to deal with that kind of emotion. Yeah. Oh, no. I never finished that eighth grade paper. I forgot to hit record. (laughs) (laughs) And be sure to tune in right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind.